this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i am your host arun deep in december the union government passed the telecommunications act of 2023 which replaces the telegraph act of 1885 the indian wireless telegraphy act of 1933 and the telegraph wires unlawful possession act of 1950 to discuss this new law and to talk about its ramifications we have raman chima who's the asia pacific policy director at access now which is an international digital rights organization raman thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me arun So Raman the Telecom Act is replacing three different laws and it's still less than 50 pages long now that we've all had some time to look at what the act actually entails do you think this is an overhaul of communications law or is there not much new to look at as we as things stand I think in fact the best way you can think of this law that's been passed is that it's a consolidation and what I mean by that is that it is in a sense an overall but it's not a new radical progressive document it is actually in a sense building on the colonial era te- uh, telegraph act that india had and the post colonial period and post colonial period of expansion of those powers that you've seen from the executive branch of the indian government and what you have right now is essentially a law that builds on that tradition by which i mean it's quite regulatory is focused significantly on the government having significant powers powers that it vests with the executive branch with very little discussion around independent oversight and for the checks and balances and so what you see right now is an overhaul is it a progressive overhaul i would argue it isn't is it the telecom law that 21st century digital india deserves i would argue unfortunately no and it could have been one so it is an overhaul not just the sort of overhaul that we perhaps badly needed got it and you say that this uh, entails a certain level of control could you talk a little bit about what that means in terms of regulating telecom networks i think it's important as part of that to like look a little bit back at history of course as you mentioned the earlier telegraph act was a colonial, colonial period instrument to something passed during the british colonial period as part of as many many of us are unfortunately far too aware a focus of the of the imperialist british empire's focus on making sure they control all elements of telecommunications for commercial as well as for essentially purposes of empire for controlling the territories they occupied and ruled what that meant is that in effect you could not possess and or run a telegraph without the clearance of the government in fact the telegraph act assumed that it would be the government running telegraphs or it would be the government choosing to decide who would run telegraphs for it it wasn't really a market based approach nor was it a sort of open people centric approach and what you saw in the post colonial period particularly in the 1990s was that tension become very clear and that became clear in a, in a range of challenges as the telecom sector was opened up as well as as broadcasting was opened up where people went to court and i won't bore people with the legal details but eventually what the indian supreme court said very categorically was that actually the thing is that the government in india is a custodian of a spectrum radio spectrum and the airwaves because it it acts on behalf of the people of india but it does, it, that it doesn't own the spectrum it doesn't own it in a manner that all telecom is supposed to be controlled and run by the government it's supposed to do so in a way to encourage free speech and to advance the fundamental rights that all indians have under the constitution of india and what that therefore you know we need to keep in mind is that what we see in the current law is still very much a focus that 
any attempt to run telecommunication telecommunications equipment in effect requires clearance by the government the colonial era telegraph act used to talk about possessing and running telegraphs what this new telecom law says if you intend not just possess but if you intend to run a telecom service and interprets that very broadly and i'm happy to unpack that further uh it also says the intention to merely possess radio equipment requires government authorization as well so the telecom act has been passed and rushed through rather this session of parliament gives the government significant powers in effect you cannot intend to run a telecom service or even possess radio equipment in the territory of india without the authorization of the indian government and therefore what this law has done is granted a wider set of powers i would argue than even the earlier 19th century uh, tele- telegraph act that existed it uses slightly newer language slightly less archaic in saying that you know if you drop words like telegraph it drops words like sole operation of a telegraph that used to exist earlier but the intention that was there from the colonial period is actually carried forward and expanded in a much broader way for example i could argue that under the earlier laws possessing radio equipment would still perhaps require some sort of clearance but the intention of possessing it won't so even today if you intend to like run a radio service in this country this law would imply that you need to start talking to the government not from the point of when you start trying to transmit or use radio spectrum that of course requires government stewardship and making sure there is interference got it and let's also talk about the exercise of that power that has been centralized to this extent right a lot of it relies on notifications orders and so on it says as may be prescribed a, a fair bit is this a kind of trend that you are seeing more and more often and why exactly uh, is this such an attractive option to policy makers absolutely aaron and you hit it completely on the head in that this isn't a new thing with this law we saw this also in the data protection act and we've seen this in a range of other legislation passed by the present administration in india some of it of course is just the reality that yes details often do require rule making by the executive branch under the rule of delegated legislation which is when you have rules that are supposed to be prescribed under a law passed by parliament but that power to frame those rules is given to the executive branch to frame later to share a copy with parliament but the, those powers are significant and already we've seen the government abuse them for example in case of the information technology rules and the Information Technology Act, the government has actually created, passed a massive set of regulatory powers for itself under a very over-expansive mandate. So we see this that, one, the government's already abusing existing powers to frame delegated legislation. And in new laws, rather than learn the lessons from those examples of abuse or overreach or just perhaps those mistakes, it's actually experiencing even more powers. What's particularly concerning the Telecom Act is the range of powers that it gives itself. it tries to throw a fig leaf at certainty or provide stability by saying past exemptions and past rules shall continue unless they are in conflict with this law but even that phrase right unless they are in conflict with this law could like you know probably um cover the salaries of three or four law firms of lawyers constantly interpreting and understanding what's in conflict and what's not so while that's a fig leaf thrown to industry in reality it's no real clarity and in terms of the new powers the government tried to create what's perhaps most concerning to me aron is it's not clear even what the role of the regulator is traditionally it's been understood that the tra act of 1997 has required all rule making under the telegraph act to be put as draft processes first sent to the regulator that provides its opinion opens it up for public consultation and then sends it back to the executive branch for its final consideration and even in that process has been regarded as cumbersome problematic and one that's loaded in favor of the executive branch in many other countries for example the regulator has more powers and its recommendations are either binding or it's actually the regulator or an empowered agency that decides this and not a civil servant 
political minister controlled uh, you know branch of the government and in this law i'm particularly worried therefore that these are range of powers that are given to the central government to me it's still not clear how tri would have its you know jurisdiction how it would work and what's particularly alarming for me is that a lot of these powers are things that perhaps should be in the main law itself even if it required perhaps another session of parliament or maybe even a couple of weeks of work this time with the standing committee of the indian parliament my view is that it's better for more content to be in the primary law looked at by the people's representatives clear for everybody so people can also note unforeseen consequences drafting mistakes or perhaps areas of new technology that may not be factored in and put that in the main act itself instead of leaving it for the civil servants to fill in later and i want to explain one reason why that's very important for all of your listeners technically the indian government will always come and say that oh these rules are subject to parliamentary review parliament can veto it in reality firstly the indian government is notorious for not even providing these gazetted rules uh, before the indian parliament even within the statutory 90 days or 60 days or 30 days that might be there in various statutes they take sometimes even years to bring copies into the indian parliament for example even the it rules did not seen all of the it rules actually brought to the two houses of parliament and while the houses of parliament have a chance to veto it it requires both houses to function and the, as we seen the agenda of the houses is controlled by the ruling party sometimes in ways that are gravely disproportionate in terms of the control the government has which means that when challenges are brought to rules the government just doesn't give them time for the challenges to be brought up and then the window passes and these rules are then immune from further parliamentary scrutiny or challenges and all that means here is that the government has an opportunity to create a send a massive signal out saying this is a telecom law we believe in we believe it requires the maximum input of all stakeholders we are happy to put all the details we can in this initial version and subject that to a fuller proper parliamentary process and fortunately they chose not to do so which means that we are now subject to the drafting you know a uh, process of the executive branch and the lobbying that's cast on the executive branch for perhaps decades decades further absolutely and uh, we did have a consultative period uh, we did have two uh, consultative uh, processes for before the first draft of the bill was ready and then we had a draft and uh, one thing that was in that earlier draft was a so called over the top ott um, messaging services like whatsapp and that is no longer in the bill but uh, people have still kind of uh, looked at the definition of telecommunication that's uh, in the act and kind of raised uh, concerns that this might be able to uh, enhance surveillance powers to web applications in the future so do you think those fears are warranted and uh, you know can you just tell uh, catch us up a little bit on whether surveillance and interception laws currently are as far as telecom goes absolutely let me cover first the ambit of what is the scope of this law what is it all what all does it regulate in effect which is as you mentioned the ott question and then i'll try and briefly turn to the very concerning approach on surveillance interception as well as internet shutdowns under this law first to the scope of the law as you mentioned yes it doesn't use the word over the top directly as a previous draft did but in many ways that's political theater what they've done is they've kept the same contours they just removed the exact word over the top but when you look at the plain english language definitions and this doesn't require a lawyer any citizen can read the law and see the language there it is very clear that anything that essentially runs on a telecommunication service including the data layer you know whether it is large services like gmail google search metas of different services including facebook messaging platforms to whatsapp to small things like wikipedia 
a, a small startup music service launched in India, or perhaps an Indic language recipes website, all of that would still be regulated by this law. They've just chosen to not explicitly do so in the beginning. And what they're doing, in effect, is they've armed themselves with that power, and they're saying we're forbearing ourselves from using the power for now. And it's not even what is active forbearance. It's a term very popular in the telecom circuit to say we can regulate something, but we'll forbear from regulating it and call it forbearance. Here, they've actually further armed themselves with the power. So they've not made it. So, in fact, it's not even a question of not making a decision. They made a decision. They said we want to keep that power for ourselves for the future. And we want to still keep the option of regulating data services like how we regulate legacy telecom services, but we'll not choose to do so perhaps explicitly. And what that means is that it's also an implicit threat. At any point of time, if the government wishes to do so, they can start trying to do so. If they, at any point of time, if companies in the tech space are perhaps too uppity or too disagreeable to the administration, whether it's the present administration or anyone in the future, they may come and say, well, we're going to now directly try and re regulate you like how we regulate big telecom companies and we regulate every layer of what they do. And that to me is extremely alarming because they're actually given themselves that power. And in many ways to me, it's also a disappointment because the statements made by the present administration back in 2015 to 2017 during the height of the net neutrality movement, I thought it was a clear sign saying that the people of India wanted strong network neutrality they wanted an approach that did not let big telcos control the internet completely, nor did they want the government to have telecom-style regulatory and licensing powers over all sorts of data services. And said the government today has given itself that power, it's just chosen to forbear it for the future. And in many ways, Arun is actually a great example of how to perhaps you know, do policy making by threat in legislation. Threaten to do something, remove one or two lines, give yourself, still keep yourself, give yourself the power, but you have a face-saving excuse to say, oh, look, we were going to be even worse to everybody. We remove one or two words, they're slightly nicer now, even though we actually still have that same power. And they will say that as a progressive win. And that's, I think, what we're very, I'm personally alarmed by, because that should have been a clear decision made. The other limited point I'd make here is that I would expect this law to settle the sort of tug of war that's happening between the Department of Telecommunications, the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting, as well as the Ministry of Electronics and IT, where these three ministries are in constant struggle about who controls internet-based services. And I have a view, of course, perhaps a user-centric, human rights-focused view of what we should deserve. But at the very least, as a, as a policy analyst, I'm just saying, come to a conclusion. Your, this law seems to still punt this debate in the future. And when the broadcasting bill is brought into parliament sometime past before the elections or a digital India bill is brought after the elections, this debate will reopen. Perhaps most concerningly, as you have mentioned, we should be worried about how this law approaches the question of surveillance, interception, as well as internet shutdowns. It's not merely telecom policy or big telecom interests that it seeks to address. What this law has instead also done on all these issues is actually roll back the clock a little bit. And what I mean is that they claim that they are following the standards on the right to privacy by saying that any interception we do in this country will, of course, respect the Supreme Court's guidelines. But as a lawyer, I have a very simple comment. The Supreme Court created guidelines in the 1990s when hearing the PUCL was in of India case saying, if the government of India wants to continue tapping people's phones, they should pass guidelines under the earlier colonial era law. And of course, ideally, they should create new provisions uh, that are tighter and more modern. Instead, what this government has done is they could have easily put those strong safeguards. They could have said every, every act of interception in this country requires going to a judge, making your case, as indeed many other democracies, including the United Kingdom, India's former colonial master now does. What they've instead done here is just said, we will pass rules for this in the future. And here is the very broad set of criteria that has to be followed. And in fact, what I say is an act of omission is very much an act also. 
So when the government omits to put in stronger safeguards in a main law, that is a very telling statement. And I think that's what's most concerning to many watchers in the space that from 2017, 2018 onwards, we've actually seen a walking back here where the government refuses to put stronger safeguards in primary legislation, never class rules for it. And its rules are all focused on the executive branch checking itself. There are no judges, no MPs monitoring the sort of interception and surveillance that does take place. And I'll leave you here with one last very alarming related element, right? In 2017, the government of India secretly and very quietly decided to frame rules to enable internet shutdowns. Shutdowns were happening in India prior to that under no clear legal framework, a gray area. In August 2017, the government quietly drafted rules, only spoke to the telecom sector privately, did not do a public consultation, did not speak to other stakeholders, and passed rules that enabled internet shutdowns. And today, as you know, India is the world's leader in internet shutdowns by a disproportionate number, as per the data that the Keep It On campaign you know, maintains and, and publishes very regularly. And what this law has done instead is taken the, the network suspension powers, put it back into the main statute, and not even put further stronger checks in the main law itself. It's again said it will be framed by rules later. I would expect a telecom law passed by a government, which is as much digital India as such a priority, including the statements made repeatedly by our prime minister, for it to categorically say we will not treat internet shutdowns as something that's acceptable. A telecom law should not be, a telecom law is about internet access, it's not about shutting down the internet. And instead, they've actually rolled back the clock a little bit by keeping that power there and not even framing the rules that should apply to the issue of internet shutdowns. Got it. Raman, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. This has been the Hindus In Focus podcast on the Telecommunications Act 2023. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.